Hold on, Robin. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go. Now I got two of you. Welcome to the Outerverse podcast, where we have discussions with creators and entrepreneurs who are leveraging the blockchain to get more people outside exploring and pursuing a healthy lifestyle. I'm Robin Thurston. I'm the founder and CEO of Outside Interactive. I'm a dad, a lifelong cyclist, a skier, and I believe that Web3 technology will transform how we inspire and enable people to get outdoors. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Dahani Jones. What's going on, Robin? And uh, for all those out there, yes, my name is Dahani Jones, and I'm a former NFL player and action sport enthusiast and investor and an outside board member. Today, we're talking to Chase Jarvis. Chase is an award-winning artist, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and one of the most influential photographers of the past 20 years. Welcome, Chase. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Congrats on uh, what you guys are building here. Very, very excited about not just the podcast, but the uh, the big picture that outside are endeavoring to, to create for the next generation of those of us looking to get outside and leverage technology to do it. No, absolutely. And, and Chase, I'd be remiss if, or we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, Creative Live and your platform, which is fantastic. I mean, you have 10 million students learning about photography, video, design, music. I mean, I wish that that platform existed when I was growing up because I might have taken a little bit of a different uh, course in my life. But I think, you know, with all the top creators and entrepreneurs um, on, the, on the platform, it's just incredible. And, you know, just, I just want to say welcome to the show because I think what you're doing and how we're working on things sort of collectively is just just an overall game changer. So welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's been a lifelong endeavor of love and care and feeding, as you all know, who anyone who's built anything out there. Uh, but appreciate the opportunity to join you all. Um, Creative Live has been quite a journey. And there's a what I love about what you all are building and what we're doing in Creative Lives is a, there's an amazing overlap, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into that through the course of the discussion. But thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Well, before I dive in, uh, Chase, I was uh, I was um, one is uh, you just added me as a follower this morning. I probably should have been a long time ago, but I will. I want to plug the audience. If you're not following Chase on Instagram and other social platforms, you should be. But um, just so many inspirational sort of, you know, things, posts there that, you know, really, I, I don't know, I, my view is, as I was sort of like going through a lot of them was like, help people focus, help people think about how to plan their future. Um, a lot of health and wellness tips. I want to, I want to ask you about cold plunging later, because I'm super interested <laughs> in cold plunging. Um, so I want to ask you about that a little bit too. Um, but uh, if you're not following Chase Jarvis uh, on social and specifically Instagram, I would get out there and, and do a follow to him ASAP because he got some great insights out there. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, here at Outside, obviously, we have a simple goal, which is to get everyone outside. That's that's it. That's our mission. That's what we're trying to do. Um, so uh, we'd really love to start uh, the show by hearing about your journey in the outdoors and the relationship that you have with the outdoors. Wow. Um, not like a small question to start us off, but <laughs> I, it, um, take your time. Take your time. That's, take your yeah, time. Yeah, I will. How much time do we got here? No, oh, the, you got time. The, my, my relationship with the outdoors, uh, it would be, I would be remiss speaking of remiss, which is a good word you used in your opening salvo there. I would be remiss if I didn't, um, show great gratitude, appreciation, respect, admiration for the outdoors because it has given me 
provided for me uh, so much. The my earliest memories where I began to identify as a creator were inspired by the outdoors. Um, without going too deep into the weeds, uh, I had always been an outdoor active enthusiast, you know, hiking, biking. I played on all kinds of teams, you know, Dahani, we, I, I played football, uh, I played college soccer, was on the Olympic development soccer team, non-Olympic years, but so I didn't get to get to play in the Olympics, but just being active has always been a part of my life. And specifically when I started skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, um, climbing, hiking, biking early on, I would call this, you know, this, let's just without revealing my age, just get into decades here. This was, I'll say, uh, early eighties. I had a profound, uh, respect. I learned a lot about myself and about the world. Um, and it just gave me a sense of awe, a sense of freedom mm -hmm. that I knew I wanted to facilitate later in life. And, um, in particular, I was, I would say my life was transformed almost in a moment. I was uh, in college and a week before my college graduation, my grandfather um, dropped dead of a heart attack on his garage floor. And he had been an amateur photographer and was always taking pictures. Uh, he and my father actually had been taking pictures of me and my friends doing all these different activities, skiing and snowboarding and whatnot in the outdoors. And we're talking early days, right? Eighties. And when he passed away, I was given his cameras and mm. he was an avid photographer and had, you know, a handful of different cameras and lenses. And that was just prior to my college graduation, like single digit days before, before I was to graduate. And so there I found myself, you know, with this, um, history of being outdoors with my family, experiencing this sense of freedom and joy and awe. And, and then I was given this camera. Mm -hmm. And so I did what any, what any, um, I don't know, ambitious, slightly introspective, um, young person would do. I took that camera with me to these places and along these activities that I was already doing with my friends and mm. thus began a very, um, a, I would say a lifelong love affair with the outdoors. And put succinctly, I just started documenting my adventures with my mm. friends and peers. And that turned into, a, um, a career as an outdoor and action sports photographer, which led me all over the world and helped create a foundation for me then to build the living and the life that, that I have today. So it would be, I would be, um, I would be wrong to not include the outdoors as not just, uh, important, but critical, pivotal to who I am today, where I am, um, career wise and anything less would be, would be fiction. So the outdoors has been critical, absolutely critical to my journey. It's, it's amazing. You, you grew up during this time when we could play so many different sports, right? Now, so many right. people are just so imagine? locked oh, in. Man, it's like, like 13 you, you played all of them. Like, yeah, I put, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. And, but that was part of, you know, I think that's part of a, a, well-rounded life is getting to taste all these other things, especially as a young person growing up, you know, you don't know what you want to do. You're, you're getting these inputs from, which is confusing because there are people who care about you and who you love. And one's telling mm -hmm. you to be an accountant. The other's telling you to pursue your passions. You know, we get all these inputs and there are very few things that, um, as you said, that, that modern culture doesn't afford a lot of that variety unless we start to do what I, I think 
outside is trying to do and y'all with the show is to remind people what, what their opportunities are, remind people that we can unite, you know, modern convenience, technology and the Mm. outdoors into something magical for the next generation and generations to come. That's part of why I'm excited about what y'all are building that why I'm a part of your, your future. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but this idea of this, I mean, it's so fundamental. I mean, anyone who's ever slept under the stars Mm. or anyone who's ever, you know, been alone on a long hike or done some sort of a feat outdoors where you're, you just have this sense of awe with, you know, around in and around nature, you like, once you have that, you're, you're basically marked for life, right? You Mm. have an understanding of the awe and that's part of what I want to redeem there. We're in a different world now. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet that all of those things still exist in nature. Our world is changing geopolitically, culturally, you know, in, in any N number of ways. And yet there's still this bedrock of, of, uh, this foundation that nature provides that is available to all of us. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep reminding people about that. Yeah. And I think in another way you think about the, the world of the great outdoors. And I, I was reminded a couple, a couple, um, couple days ago when I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about sort of the power of nature and the power of being outside and how that inspires your own level of creativity, right? Nothing in the outdoors is a right angle. You notice that? But everything like in nature, there's no tree that's a a right angle, right? And so actually being in environments that are man-made are actually more stressful to the brain than actually getting outside. And, And I think what you capture through your photographs is that um, that that notion of flexibility and, and creativity and and I and I think Robin knows Robin do you know that I was a I'm a photographer I don't know if I was or am or aspire to be a photographer but I, I didn't know that Dahani that's that's new information yeah. for me it's I have I have a roll effect roll of flex I have a Mamaya <laughs> I have a um, six four five AFD Ooh, you know I, I I know how to rock out with the Leica I know how to chase. you know I know all my wow. cameras you know I just actually actually just. <laughs> Bought a bought a new camera, bought a new uh, Fuji camera, but I'm, I'm I'm saving up. I'm saving up for an an M11 because I love medium Ooh. format cameras, and Ooh. I just love how you through your childhood sort of took this tragic moment and placed your grandfather by your side, right? You you placed him by your side yeah. and allowed him to see, or maybe it was him showing you this amazing, you know, part of the, part of the world. And, you know, I just want to know a little bit more about how, how it's helped you connect with the outdoors. Like what was the first photograph where you saw where you wanted to be? Oh, wow. Um, two part question. I'm going to answer them in reverse order. You started with what was the first photograph? I remember one of the first places we, uh, well, I took his, uh, cameras that I was gifted um, or willed rather upon his death and immediately flew to Europe with my then girlfriend, now wife, Kate. And with just an ambition to get outside and get away, I'd put my um, professional soccer career on hold uh, and my ambition to um, to follow all of society's shoulds, I put that on hold, mm. sort of to process his his passing to honor that, to make use of these cameras. And, uh, 
one of the first destinations I went to, as any good outdoor lover would, if you're going to Europe, is I went to Chamonix, France. Mm. And for anyone who hasn't been to Chamonix, is it, is, beautiful place. it is one of the most beautiful places on the planet, yeah. save a few others that I could list later in the show here. But it is an absolute stunner. It's a, it's a valley at the bottom of, you know, multi-thousand foot peaks. And you, I mean, a very narrow valley. The valley is probably like a mile wide or less. And just sheer, you know, rock walls on either side. It is an absolute, you know, it's a fairy tale of a place. And I started taking pictures. <clears throat> And I, I remember distinctly, and we were, you know, was camping, sleeping on the ground there in a park because uh, didn't didn't have much money. And I remember choosing whether I would eat that next day or I would develop the roll of film that I had shot the day before. <laughs> I thought you were going to say buy the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I came with a little bit of film from the U.S. and or buy a ticket to go it, home. It, yeah. <laughs> But it, I mean, it was literally some of these hikes that I went on very, very early that that helped me recognize a that there was something there for me that and there was a little bit of talent had uh, had an eye, but also just what was possible. What was mm-hmm. you know the, the storytelling that was possible, the narrative that you could create through an image, and so th- that was you know the early I would say early photographs, and then the second part of your question, as I understood it, is really around. Um, it it felt it felt um photography felt to me like it was laced with possibility mm. and and in true fashion it 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 delivered on that and i can expand on that a little bit but when you you know you're all we're ever doing in life is experimenting we're running tons of small experiments and you know even what you all are building is an experiment this podcast is an experiment and for me you know this recognition that life is long was something very powerful for me. And that, you know, that running this experiment and living this life of, of basically spending a hundred percent of my time outdoors. I was talking just about sleeping on the, you know, on the floor, the, the earth, uh, there in Chamonix. It's like, okay, I'm going to experiment with this and I'm going to pull on this thread, this curiosity that I have and see where it leads me. It turned out that it led to some pretty cool shit. Right. I got <laughs> taking pictures and following my passion allowed me to, um, you know, fast forward 10 or 20 years. And, you know, I've been a, a guest at the White House. I have, you know, been to 80 something countries I've photographed on every continent. Um, you know, it, it has led to a life that I really it's very hard for me to articulate how powerful the combination of pursuing our interests uh having a foot in the outdoors and connecting with community and culture, how, mm. how profound that has been for me. And it all started out with taking pictures. So it was a passport, if you will, into all the things that I care about deeply now, which ironically, now let's zoom out. This is, it's very much about what y'all at Outsider building, right? It's community, it's the outdoors, it's creativity, culture. Um, and so I would encourage anyone who's listening to, start to think about how their own life may map onto that, the things that you care about, you know, I'm sure family, career, a combination of all these things, but that you're probably listening to this because you have some interest in the outdoor, because you care about the future of, you know, any one of these vectors of the future of community, the future of the web, the outdoors, and starting to cultivate a narrative where you get to combine all these things into what you love. That's all that, you know, this was for me, that's, that's my grandpa's camera 
was just a ticket, a passport into the things that I loved. Mm. Mm. It's before your next question to honey, it's, you know, Chase, it's, uh, it's such a rare, you know, sort of amazing thing when you can combine your love for something, you know, business, um, together with how you spend all your time, right? Like it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a very rare and amazing situation to be in. Yeah. And I don't take that for granted. And, and that is very intentional. That does not happen by accident. The lives that we all lead, right? I think there's a belief that life, you know, happens to us. And I, I have a different opinion that life happens for us. And we also, you know, this is, I'm talking now about creativity with the capital C there's, you know, popsicle sticks and glue guns and glitter and the stuff that like art with a small C or creativity with a small C that we're taught in school. But we're talking about creativity with a capital C here. This is creating the living and the life that we want. I think a lot of folks Mm. look to others who in their community or on the internet, people that you look up to admire and respect. And you think that somehow that just happened. But the reality is that their lives, the lives that maybe you are interested in or that evoke some sort of emotion or curiosity in you, um, that, that those lives are created. They're created through intention. And so to your point, Robin, this is available to everyone. Now, everyone, I understand there are people that don't have access to a billion of people who don't have access to clean drinking water. So we have to qualify this in some regards. But if you are listening to this, if you have the technology and the ability to hear what we're saying right now, chances are that you have an opportunity to play a much larger role than you think you do in creating the living and the life that you want. And it just so happened that, you know, those of us on the show here, you two and me, and a lot of folks listening, that the outdoors has been a powerful, important piece of that. So when you look at my personal experience and to be able to say that I got lucky enough to combine all those things, well, actually that was a choice Mm. and it was an active choice and that is available to all of us. This is the creativity with the capital C. We are creative engines, all of us. And by putting one foot in front of another with intention, we actually can build this thing that this one precious life that we have into something that we love. So Mm. true. So So, true. So true. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just thinking about creativity with a capital C. I also want to throw out there curiosity with a capital C, Mm. right? Um, You know, um, invoke that level of curiosity that enables the creativity, uh, enables you to build and, 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 uh, live the life that, that you choose. And I, and I, and I wrote about that. I, Robin, I don't know if I sent it to you. I wrote this like curiosity manifesto, um, you know, during 2020, during the lockdown, it was like a five. This is where that we're going to learn a lot about. We, we are really going to learn a you lot. Didn't know he's, a photographer. He's, a clo- he's a closet writer now. <laughs> photographer. This is really, I'm I mean, actually this, I'm the therapist between you two guys. That's what this is. Right I here. love it. I love it. You know, it, it, Chase, you actually might have to be our therapist if I start getting into sort of my desire to crush Robin on his bike and things like that. Because Robin gets really sensitive. Good luck, my friend. Uh, uh, he gets Good really luck. sensitive. About, you see, here. You, wait, you, you see how he gets really competitive with that? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. The honey, you're, you're 235 pounds. You couldn't crush me doing anything in, in, on any bike. <laughs> but but that curiosity with the capital C is so critical. And so mm. many people just fundamentally yeah. lose 
the notion of curiosity, I don't know, maybe after the age of nine, after the age of 10, mm -hmm. for some reason, you know, mm -hmm. like as a child, all you're doing is asking questions. Every corner you go around, what's that? Mommy, what's that? Where are we going to get that? How are we going to do that? When people lose that curiosity and it's just, yeah. it's, tra it's tragic in so many different ways because I think that's like at the core of who we are, who we are as people. And, you know, yeah. to be a part of, be a part of outside, you know, like, yeah, I, I played football. I played soccer. Matter of fact, I made a great corner kick. It, it, like it went, like I bent it like Beckham and it went into the oh, goal. And I, thought I, I thought I was going to be the next best soccer star out there. And then I realized, like, those shoes are so tight and hurt my toes. I, I didn't really like it. So I, How many 235-pound soccer players are there? <laughs> not many. Not, not, not many. Not many at all. But, you know, I, and I think melding those worlds for me, you know, outside is like, I love being on the bike. I, I love climbing. I love going mountain biking. I, I love going hiking. I, I just love doing all the other things. And that was able, that enabled me to play the game of football, right? Yeah. And so going back yeah. to, it's the multidisciplinary sports that allow you to play the one sport that ultimately sort of like creates this nice pathway in life. Yeah, and, or can define, yeah, can define you or can be a part of your identity or whatever. Yeah, I get it. And And, and it's allowed me to do a lot of stuff with Robin allowed our conversation t today. Um, I'm curious, you know, you said you've been to 80 different countries. Do you have a favorite, favorite country or, or, Oh man, going to Sha oh, man. that's like that your favorite, favorite. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to New Zealand. Oh, oh just because wait, oh, Chase, like that's my favorite. That's my favorite too. Is it? <laughs> that <laughs> is my go. favorite. We are kindred <laughs> spirits. You and I, what, what, this which, is what Robin, where you find out he's actually a senior statesman for uh, New Zealand, apparently. <laughs> exactly. That's nice. that's nice. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you why do you like New Zealand? Well, I can tell you in in lots of ways, but the sh the quickest route to me explaining it is that there's so much geographic variety in such a small proximity, yes. especially if you're a photographer and you have access and some means. Like I've done dozens if not yeah certainly dozens of high-end professional shoots there and you can be you know with the aid of some transportation support like helicopters you can be on a glacier in the morning and a black sand beach in the afternoon mm -hmm. on the same day shooting two different things so the unmatched unparalleled beauty there's a reason that all the lord of the rings and you know those peter jackson films were made there because it is epic you don't have to have any fake sets right this is all real stuff it's real stuff there's it's no real there's stuff, no fake so backgrounds I, nothing you know what right. you know what the other thing nothing. chase there's nothing What's poisonous that? so you can lay on the it's ground true. look at the stars and not worry about some gigantic spider crawling on. on your face there's, or stinging it's true. you there's no poisonous snakes or come on nothing there's poisonous no yeah. nothing poisonous Seriously? robin there's nothing poisonous in New Zealand. I, I have to research this. Robin, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it <laughs> is true. Like you go, you go a couple of miles to the north or south or somewhere around there where that other that other country is. Not necessarily one of my favorite, but it's a good place to visit. But everything is poisonous in Australia. But in New Zealand, nothing's poisonous. It's amazing. And exactly what Chase is talking about. You can go from the mountain all the way down to these black sand beaches. You can jump on a yeah, helicopter yeah. and go out. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. It is it is loaded geographically. I, I want to promise touch on my something. wife I'm going to take her. I promise okay. my wife. I'll I'll give you a list of cool cool shit to do while you're there. It's That'd be uh, great. Th yeah. There's a lot of a lot of my favorite moments have been there, but I do want to go back to what Donnie said about curiosity. And I think, you know, I'm going to try and relate this back to some of the things that uh one of the reasons that I'm on this show is because 
I, like a lot of people, I think ought to be curious about this connection that you are building between technology and outside and the way that we can leverage um, leverage this technology to inspire the next generation to, I'm not going to say that screens, for example, are bad, but just if you go back to what we, you know, retrace what we were talking about earlier about how profound that outdoors have been for, for me, and it sounds like for all of us, it, there's something magical. And if we can get more people outside, then, you know, hopefully that is a, that is a worthwhile mission and vision. I know that's part of what, what your all's goals are. Mm. Well, what this, the curiosity that I have as someone who has been living in this, the intersection of culture and creativity and the outdoors for my entire life, essentially, it, it, I'm curious to know how we can leverage these things. And that was part of my early interest in Web3. Mm-hmm. Part of my, it's like, I, I came about that, you know, the company that we talked about early on uh, that Donnie mentioned about my building Creative Live, which is, again, where you know, tens of millions of people go to learn photography, design, filmmaking. And we've got many of the world's top creators and entrepreneurs go to teach there that this in building that I had the opportunity to be around a lot of venture capital. We raised a bunch of money and grew very, very quickly. And these were top tier venture firms. And so I had this trial by fire. I'm, I mean, I'm just a mm. photographer. I don't have any formal education in any of these things. I, my degrees are in philosophy. My career is in photography. And here I am, you know, running around with all these venture capital folks building, you know, essentially the next generation of learning for creators in a, in a space where there wasn't a lot of activity 10 or 12 years ago. I had the chance to learn about this early blockchain, blockchain technology from the people who were on the, the absolute ground level, foundational level, talking about this stuff over the course of the past decade. And to start to piece together in a very layperson way, and that's what I want to hopefully resonate with the audience. Like you, the cool part about the next generation of this stuff that you mm. all are building is that you actually don't have to understand how all the wires go together. That's just going to happen in the background. And mm-hmm. what if you can get compensated for getting outside every day through you know, all sorts of various blockchain technologies. What if, you know, what if you get benefits that you get, you know, access to things before others, you get notifications, you get the ability to participate and build communities in and around things that are in the outdoors. And you don't have to understand all the ways that technology enables it. You just get to by holding certain NFTs or by being a part of a Web3 community to be a part of this. To me, it's the curiosity around that, that if I was mm. listening to the show, that I, you know, that's a reason to care because this is going to be better for everyone. We can do it in a sustainable way. And it's the intersection, hopefully, of this is why you would be listening to the show at all because you care about the intersection of all these, thring, all these things. So I, I guess I have a, you know, a question. If I, you know, I can grab the mic for a second here and ask you, Robin. You go. Like, the the curiosity that I have for um, this technology, my understanding of what you are building, if you could put it in a soundbite here that we can package, package and share, what, what would the soundbite be? Uh, you know, why should someone who's listening care? I mean, I've heard you say this and it was very yeah. compelling, which is why I want you to say it again here. Well, I, I mean, I think that the soundbite for the outerverse is pretty simple in that, you know, the 
underlying technology, whether, you know, you talk about blockchain technology or you talk about, you know, tokenization, you know, there essentially is a fundamental um, sort of, there are market dynamics in these things that I think that when you look at other categories, like gaming is a good example, right? There are millions of people playing, you know, move to, you know, play to earn games, um, Mm -hmm. you know, which from my perspective is like, there's no reason you can't leverage that same technology to build things exactly what you said before, which is to motivate and reward people for outdoor time. I mean, I think consistently what I'm very, I mean, I'm very, I mean, I have three children myself and I'm very nervous for the next generation because I think that um, they're like the, the, the kids that are born today are going to be 100% digital native. They've never experienced or will never experience a world where there aren't screens or there isn't, um, you know, the internet. Um, and I think what I'm what I'm most nervous about and what I was so excited about in, in thinking about building the Outerverse is that there's, you know, there's literally billions of dollars, venture dollars, private equity dollars going into and and company dollars like Facebook spending $25 billion a year on VR systems Mm -hmm. that are going to keep people indoors. And when you look at the current statistics, I mean, you can go right to the CDC website and see this, you know, the average kid under 18 spending nine to 11 hours a day on a screen. Um, That, you know, and then we have data now that suggests that the average kid under 18 is spending less than 60 minutes a week outdoors. And that is because there's so many incentives, whether it's, you know, if you think about, you know, a, a recent survey I just heard, we, we had all of the outdoor um, sort of com- the, the, the outdoor rec people for Colorado in. And they said that the number one reason they couldn't hire um, people was because uh, young people to, to work outdoor jobs was because that those people were more inclined to want to be TikTok stars. Mm-hmm. And I just like I think that when I think about the idea of leveraging this technology and really creating a platform for what I like to call outdoors to earn, um, it's it's like how can we you know really motivate people through the same incentives that they get in other categories to want to be outdoors and you know and and frankly that's why we need people like you Chase and others all to have that same common goal, which I believe we do, is because ultimately, I don't believe kids are gonna get off screens. I just think that we have to have more balance. That yeah. is really the word. The word is balance. Technology is mm-hmm. not going away. I mean, it's interesting. I was gonna, before we jumped into the whole Web3 thing, I was gonna ask you a couple of questions. You, I see you have an aura ring on, like I do. I think you got your aura ring on. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, uh, you know, there's You didn't ask so me if many- I had one on. Well, he's the guest, honey. I mean, come on. I'm your co-host. You didn't even ask me. Do you have one on? No, I don't have one. Sorry. (laughs) We're going to get you one. Um, You know, but there's so many new technology things that have happened over the last, you know, 15 years. And it's all an evolution, right? It's all about a a, a more basic understanding of yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you learn by having the aura ring on? What did you learn about, you know, the previous company I started, Matt My Fitness, when when we first started seeing people record rides, you know, they used to drive their cars around to figure out how far they were running or, you know, things like that. And so, you know, it was such a, it was simple in many ways, but it was this expression or visualization of some new piece of information that you didn't have before. So I'm curious 
in your journey, and I, I, mm. I definitely am very curious because there's non-technology things too, like ice bathing, which, you know, again, you could go all the way back into Viking times, um, yeah. ex, you know, like it's not like it's a new thing, but it's it's sort of becoming new again. So I'm just curious, all the different sort of things that you've tried in this world and, you know, how that has sort of, um, you know, maybe improved your health and wellness, yeah. right, specifically. Mm-hmm. But, but how it's sort of um, really your journey has been through that. Like how, how has that made you connect more? How has that made you want to explore more? Uh, I think there's a profound relationship between technology and our experience as humans and using technology to give us a better experience, a better life experience mm-hmm. is uh, it's, it feels so natural and virtuous to me. And you know, I always look for virtuous cycles. You know, that's one of the reasons we started Creative Live. That's one of the reasons I sold the company to Fiverr is because I want to be able to people to be able to pursue a passion, learn a skill, put that skill to use in the market, ad infinitum. And they get to, you know, then their passions can become the things that support their lifestyles and, and put them in a position to live the life of their dreams. Take the aura ring, which is another relation. So so to me that's technology improving the human experience. And there are examples, plenty of examples of technology <laughs> undermining the human experience. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> plenty of them. Let's, plenty the, of yeah, them. let's let's use yeah. the aura ring. So I, for my whole life, I was one of those people who used to articulate loudly and rather publicly that I didn't sleep very much. And mm. it was something that I thought I was genetically disposed to not need. And what I really understood after looking at the scores that I was, I've, I've had one of these things that very early prototypes, gen one, um, had early exposure to the company. I'm grateful for that, but it, it helped me understand that no bro, you're just not performing at your best because mm. you are sleeping not enough. And when I juxtapose what my normal inclination was around hustle porn with what I was capable of as a well-rested, uh, thoughtful, properly nourished person, it was, it was, I would call it exponential. My, my, not just how I felt from day to day, moment to moment, but the experience that I had of living my life, like my, my endemic, my personal experience of life was better, happier, more relaxed, productive, thoughtful, you know, kind, loving, all of those things. I was a better version of myself when I got more sleep. So if you think of that, now across all these other vectors, the vector that we were just talking about, about encouraging, incentivizing people to not lose track of how valuable it is to spend time in the outdoors. You can see another very clear way that motivating, that using technology to help us get outside, using technology to help us um, remember to get outside, to be incentivized, Mm -hmm. to capture those moments through audio and video and you know then the ability to share those moments uh across the internet using technology like that those are clearly ways that technology is supporting making better more robust rich richer i think is probably the best way of describing it the human experience and Mm. you know that's part of what i'm seeking to do now i'm like looking for ways that i can either on my own accord or through the aid of technology create a richer human experience and you're doing that that's part of one of the reasons like i'm i think a lot of people might misunderstand my 
And what's one of the reasons, frankly, I've been a little bit <clears throat> slow to be very public about my personal involvement in Web3 and NFTs and because I didn't want it to be misunderstood. Mm. I didn't want, I've been very, very early in all sorts of technology. I had a blog in 2004. Uh, I built a, a photo sharing app company in 2010 that was the app of the year on the Apple platform. All these things are so, so early. They're a decade early, basically. And I don't want to do that with Web3 because I feel like let's enter this slowly. Let's do it properly. And for the people who've been involved in crypto for eight years, hey, more power to you. You've seen the ups and downs. But now we're on a steady state of build, growing. You can see how these things are going to layer into, into one another. That's interesting to me. I do not necessarily see the collectible as the primary valuable mm. or value of the NFT. I see the utility as mm. the primary vector for NFTs, and which would be counter to most photographers. You know, you'd want to sell a limited edition photograph, and that's where you make your money. And but I think on this sort of social good, what how can technology make a richer experience? If you can have an NFT that enables or facilitates or supports the utility of you getting outside, that's interesting. What is the utility of the art that you collect that Chase makes? What is that? How does that inspire or motivate or support your the vision that you have for you? That's exciting to me. And I think that's what most people that would be listening might not get. They're like, I don't understand these NFT things. Well, mm -hmm. what if I told you that it could help you live uh, a more outdoor active healthy lifestyle would you be interested in that i think yes is the answer yeah i i, I totally agree and i think that the that that it's sort of the combination i mean nfts are one part of the technology um you know that but the the idea that you're combining you know something that has rarity or collectible with the utility with the community and in our case, specifically, you know, attaching it to um, unlocking future things based on the amount of outdoor activity you get, I think it's truly, you know, what's unique about the platform. If, if you go back to, you, you talked a little bit about your exposure to blockchain, um, you know, from some of the VCs and, and people mm -hmm. that you were involved in. Um, but as, as, you've, as you sort of think back to your journey um, and sort of exploration of Web3, um, what what were some of your first impressions, whether it was about, you know, crypto specifically or, mm -hmm. you know, blockchain or smart mm -hmm. contracts as a creator, which we'll talk a little yeah. bit more about? Um, what were some of those first impressions? Uh, I have always been a very loud, vocal and active um, advocate for the creative community. And if you look at, you know, Web one, two, and three for just a quick rehashing. If web web one was sort of read only, it's like things were on the internet. If web two is you know read and write, so you can um, you know read captions and you can contribute your photographs to the social media platforms that someone else owns. And if web three is then no, no, you actually have you own the relationship with your community. You own you know you actually own collectibles and those collectibles can unlock to use your word utility mm -hmm. in each of those the creator played a different role in web one the creator often wrote the thing that would be on the web page and that was owned outright by someone else you can look at early record contracts right they owned the catalog of you know any any artist and they would publish that on the internet or publish that on uh, a record or a tape or any of these other various media that we had at the time. 
Web 2 was interesting because you could increase the reach. But mm. what most people didn't realize is that those companies, had there, had there not been the contribution from creators around the world, people submitting photographs and writing words and, you know, videos and all the other, that, that these platforms could not exist. And yet the platforms themselves were the largest beneficiary of that environment. So what 100%. we have now and why I care deeply is that Web3 will unlock largely the ownership of the relationship between the creator and their community. The idea that you know we can collect digital, digital goods in the same way that we have historically collected physical goods. That, the fact that, that the, and that, that crypto actually enables real money to be a part of this equation. That's, that was a huge unlock. That is part of, I'd say the primary rationale between my, or around my over, you know, off the charts enthusiasm mm -hmm. for this next chapter and for web three generally. And when I started seeing that, like, wait a minute, they're like little building blocks, right? You had, okay, there's blockchain. Well, what does blockchain do? Oh, that enables you to, you know, to have a registry basically of who owns a thing. Okay, cool. And that's, well, then you say, wait a minute, then you have a mechanism of paying, you put crypto on top of that. And it's really the assembly of those two things. You're like, oh, ownership and then value. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it's like, it, I started to see these things. It's, it was sort of like if you squinted and you sort of fuzzed your eyes, you could <laughs> see a world where this all would come together. What has surprised me is how fast that has, um, and especially the, you know, this is true with you know, Moore's law and exponential growth, growth, right? It just, it, when things start to accelerate exponentially, which is what has happened with this space in the last, call it 12 months, um, then you start to really see a more rich and full picture. You don't have to squint quite so hard to see how this is going to be beneficial, not just to creators and entrepreneurs and, and people who are the makers, but to the community that supports and wants to be a part of all that at the same time. So it's mm. very, very, um, You've seen this in other industries. You, you, you now have a very, or we can develop a clearer picture of how this truly could be an everybody wins scenario, which is what I love, right? I hate it when someone wins at the expense of somebody else. This Web3 universe is going to unlock this, this beneficial relationship between all these different facets that we've been talking about. Well, well I, to your point, I mean, the, the five companies that basically own the internet at this point, um, are truly have been the beneficiaries. I'm not saying the creators haven't, um, you know, been able to earn some additional revenue through that, but it's so mm. fractional, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do have Go to ahead, say Dylan. that you all gave that example about, you know, you kind of squint in order to kind of get the clear picture. I've had to do that all the time because I'm the only one on here with glasses. So in order for me not to have like bigger Coke bottle glasses, I had to like squint to make sure <laughs> so that the lenses could actually fit. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you're I think you're right. And anytime, you know, you have a new type of technology that's an accelerant. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and Chase, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about the psychology of not wanting to be the loud voice in the room when you knew that it was going to be a sure. game changer. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Because. You know, on the other side of that, there there are haters. There are people out there that just all of a sudden shut things down. I mean, there's people in the community right now that that for some reason believe that all this blockchain and crypto technology is going to go out the window over the next couple of years when we all know within this room that it's only going to get that much more um, exciting. It's going to accelerate that much more over the next couple couple of years 
regardless of what happens with the economy. I mean, it's getting sure. the power back in the hands of people. So I actually kind of have like a, a couple part question. One, how come sure. you didn't want to use your voice at an earlier time when you knew that it was going to be the, the future of things? Sure. Two, you know, was there trepidation on your side because maybe maybe you had been taken advantage of. I don't know if that was the mm. case as a, as a creator. Mm. You might have been through that experience. Mm. And then what do you say to the naysayers now that you know where the future is going? Mm. Well, the reason I didn't want to be very thoughtful question, first of all, Donnie, that, so the, the, the reason I wanted, this is the first real public conversation that I've had about web three. And I have been involved in the background in a handful of ways. Mm. Um, and yet I haven't talked publicly about it mostly because I want to be the tortoise here. I have historically been the hare and part of the way that I feel like I can be effective in my community in the creator community, the community that creative live and that I've operated for my entire professional life is by being a sensible voice in the room. And that's mm. not to say that I, I don't have extreme enthusiasm, but I've so often been, you know, the person standing on the table, banging the drum. And, and I, I think that was a good, it was a role. It was a fine role for me then, but right now I'm more sort of in the, like the, I want to win in the long haul. And the way we do this is over time, we learn that the market, you know, whether that's the crypto market, blockchain technology, the economy, it's all going to go up and down, but what we're aiming for and what we're actually seeing and what we have to believe in if you're a technologist or you understand how these things work mm. is just an overall upward slope. We're going to have all kinds If you, you know, if you look at the, um, I forget what philosophers, you know, if I showed you a coin and you say, is this round? You say, of course it is. But as, if you zoom in much more carefully, you look at the edges of a quarter and it's actually, they're mm -hmm. ridged, right? So it's not round. It's very not round the closer you look. And you could say the same thing about the slope of you know, the, the journey that we're all on in the development of this technology, it's not a linear upward trend. It's mm -hmm. going to go up and down, but overall the slope of the line is heading in the direction that supports all the virtue that we talked about in what web three enables. Mm -hmm. I want to be a slow and steady voice in the room. One that is not reactive to the uh, fluctuations in the economy, but one who is a part of building things very intentionally over time, sustained effort around unlocking this next level of opportunity. So I've been the other loud, obnoxious, like drum banger before, <laughs> and it was fine. I got, you know, I've benefited plenty from it, but it was also, you know, I just had to, it, it took a lot more energy uh, I took a lot more wasted energy trying to every time there was a downturn, explain to people that overall this was going to be a good thing and that it was going to unlock, you know, the next level of X, Y, Z. And instead I could just focus on building mm -hmm. because I'd spent a lot of time, you know, trying to round up and herd the cats to get everybody's continue to move in the right direction. And now I sort of want to lead by example, lead, you know, be a rational voice in the room. And it's my hope that actually the people who are listening now, if you haven't been just a bandwagon, oh yeah, Web3 is going to change the world, that you might say, oh, I, I maybe identify with Chase and understand that this is going to be a slow upward 
which is that's like healthy growth, right? That's mm. the irony of this Silicon Valley universe is they want overnight, you know, it's like if you're, <laughs> it's Facebook or bust. And the reality is that that actually undermines the development of really good companies. That's where sort of mm. private equity dollars and a little bit slower long-term vision actually pays off. So I'm interested in participating in a slightly different way. I would call it um, <clears throat> like a fine wine, a more mature, uh, <laughs> more to mature approach. But it just, it, it is a, um, it is a learned, slightly tweaked experience from how I have participated in evolving technologies in the past. And I'm good with it. It, it, Chase, just to add on to that, I'm going to switch a little bit to the, you know, the creator side that you've been talking about in terms of, you know, one thing I was explaining to, um, our outdoor teams, uh, last week was that there, there's so, there's so much friction in the relationship, whether it be with a you know a, a platform, um, you know, or a, a publisher like outside, I mean, you know, historically, if we were going to do something with you, you know, there's a 20-page contract, and you got lawyers who read every you know every last word, and you know, managing royalties on an ongoing basis is really challenging. Um, most mostly, even on our side, like if we wanted to resell that, I always tell the story about uh, you know Crack Hour and Into Thin Air and how that got turned into a movie and, you know, how the, you know, all the sort of connectivity from the original piece of work to the movie was, was quite disconnected in many ways, right? It wasn't seamless. And, you know, what I was explaining to the outdoor group was I was saying, you know, for creators and, and we have, you know, I don't know, 35,000 freelancers we work with, um, you know, there's you know, tons of, um, even on the licensing for the film side for outside television and other things. Um, but it, it's it's there's really all this friction and and my view of smart contracts and and the blockchain is that in the future a you know and 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 no matter which platform you publish or was buying your work whether that be photography whether that be written word whether that be a podcast that you produce as published as a smart contract you as the creator really own the end to end and once mm. your wallet is attached to that um, smart contract. The royalty management is in it's in perpetuity. Even your family could benefit from it a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious when you uh, you know talk to other creators or when you think about it as a creator, how much you think this is going to change your life by essentially you know um, streamlining or facilitating a much more simple relationship with uh, you know platforms, publishers, um, you know. Uh, uh, collectors, um, all of that in the future sure. because of this technology. Transformative. Only yeah. it's only word that is that is uh, that could be rightly applied there. It is absolutely transformative, and all of those individual pieces had to be separately negotiated at a cost prohibitive time prohibit in, in a cost prohibitive and a time prohibitive way. That now with smart contracts will be built in. Ad infinitive, ad infinitum, for you know in perpetuity, and you start to do that math. And I'll just give you an example. A friend of mine, off NFTs, made ninety million dollars. Excuse me. Wait a minute. 90, is that people in, in, in ninety days? I'll, I will. He Excuse will me, remain. Say that one more. Say, say that one he, more time, he, please. He, Sorry. I, nine, I ninety million dollars in ninety days. And Incredible. Monopoly money or like real most money? of it. Real money. Most of it. I'm doing the wrong thing. On secondary, on secondary sales. Secondary, yeah. That is the that is wow. the part that trips secondary. most people out. 
It is when it sells and, you know, it sells for n number of dollars. Let's say it sells for a thousand dollars and you get some percentage of that every time it sells. And then it goes mm -hmm. up in the market somewhere else and you get, imagine that for houses, for example, imagine if you got 20% of the first, for those of you who have owned homes in the past who are listening, imagine if you got 20% of the house that you first owned and did so for every time that house flipped for your entire life. Homeownership would go through the roof. Just, just so, drop, I mean, not drop the mic right there, but it, would, it, would, it would just okay. go even further. And then, okay, and now do that with your art. Mm -hmm. And whether your art sells for the price of a home or your art sells for, you know, $500, it's the, the, the actual numbers don't matter. What matters is the sort of exponential opportunities that smart contracts unlock for the creator mm. and to not have the administrative overhead like this. It is possible to set contracts up like that, but the ability to be able to chase them, to track that basically is prohibitive and has mm -hmm. been until now. So as the, cre the creator in me, as someone who's advocated very publicly, I have spoken to the Library of Congress. I have, you know, had multi-year federal lawsuits. I have, mm. you know, had the largest copyright suit at one point in the history of the world against a large public company that will remain nameless. It's, up, it's out there if you want to Google it. But all in defending creators' rights. And mm. all mm -hmm. of that work was sort of underpinned with this as the backdrop. Like, how do we make it better? How do we defend... Uh, how do we stand up for, how do we cultivate, how do we create a better environment for creators? Because let's just pause and put creator in context. Look around. Mm -hmm. Every single thing, the chair that you're sitting on, the mic that we're talking on, the screen, the room that you're in, it was all designed. It was mm -hmm. all created. All of it. So if you're thinking like creativity, again, go back to like glitter and popsicle sticks. No, no, I'm talking about everything around you was created by somebody no smarter than you, no more talented, no more, had no better genes, no better um, a pedigree, you know. And, and so if you start to think about uh, the motivation, not just like to get outside, which we're talking about with your podcast or with the Outerverse, but the motivation to create, like you can, you can see how that sort of technology underpinning the benefits of, of thinking of yourself as a creator and creating things mm. and experiences in the world wow does that get interesting quick yeah it's a big it's it's big like you it's said big. And, and and it's, it's going to take it's not a long big time. it's 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 for sure and, yeah transformational like you said chase exactly it's transformational and i think that and, example of home ownership is probably the best example that people are going to hone in on right now yeah. now by the way right. i think we should start a new company robin you know we just no. start no. no. Okay. I, I've, I've dedicated my life to the outdoors. To I, 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 I'm, I'm, well, we I'm can, not starting. We can dedicate ourselves to like getting land in the outdoors and placing a bunch of houses, of which we get, you know, payment into perpetuity. I, I think that's something I got that we could definitely do. Creating campsites. I'll introduce you to him. Okay. All right. Well, Chase, I, I, I just want to say thank sure. you for for you know joining our, joining our podcast. And as we kind of wind down, just one quick question, um, sure. because there's just. We, we could go forever on this topic because I think the way that you just unpacked could. it, when you just dropped the $90 million on a secondary market, I think, I, I think <laughs> yeah. we're just going to get a spike in people listening besides the, besides the fact of, you know, um, talking about New Zealand. But anyways, um, 
Uh, I, I um, in one one sentence, what do you hope to inspire to future generations of creators? In one sentence, the fact that having creator be a part of your identity matters. That you are a creator, that you are creative, and that identifying as such matters to you and to the world. That's awesome, Chase. Um, first of all, thank you so much for the time being on. We're here at Outside, and as part of the Outerverse, we are super excited about working with you on you know, really projects that uh, will inspire people to get outdoors. And so I know you and I and others on the team will be working a lot on that over yeah. the next couple of months as we get ready for Very excited. first drops here in the fall, right. hopefully. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I know we'll have you on again, but uh, such an inspiration to creators and the amazing work that you've done. So again, I just can't thank you enough for being with us today. Happy to be on the show. Love what you're doing. Is It's not an accident that I'm you know pushing my chips into in in part what you guys are building and my heart believes it. My brain understands where you're going and um, it's something that my soul wants to be a part of getting more out, more people outdoors is an incredibly virtuous ambition that I truly believe is beneficial. It's benefited me. It's, it's the reason I've been contributing in this space for my entire professional career, and I'm looking forward to doing more with you guys. Thank you, Chase. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chase. Thank you. Of course. Until next time, guys. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. The Outerverse Podcast is an outside interactive production with hosts Robin Thurston and Dahani Jones. The producer and sound engineer is Kirk Warner, scheduling by Adrian Paulson. To learn more about all we are doing in the Outerverse and to sign up for the Outerverse Passport, head to outside.io. Have a great week and get outside.